Let's take our Bibles and turn to 1 Peter in the New Testament. Of course, I mentioned the Lord's Suppers tonight after the evening service. And she mentioned thanking the Lord for dying for us. And I hope you'll be back for that. 1 Peter chapter 5, there's a statement in the middle of verse 5 that I want to speak on this morning. And it says these words, and be clothed with humility. Be clothed with humility. And I want to speak on that subject as we take the Bible and we'll go through verses 1 through 6 here in 1 Peter chapter number 5, but that's the subject that we'll be working up to, be clothed with uh, humility. I want you to notice some things about this text as we go through it. Number one, I want you to see the humility of Peter, the humility of Peter. Notice as he begins to uh, address the elders here in chapter 5, he says in verse 1 these words, The elders which are among you I exhort, now notice this, who am also an elder, who am also an elder. He just gives himself five words there, who am also an elder. Peter could have said a whole lot more about himself than that, okay? Uh, Peter could have said, um, I walked on water, okay, none of you ever did. Peter could have said, I was up on the Mount of Transfiguration. I've met Moses personally. You never did. I've met Elijah up on the Mount of Transfiguration. You never did. I saw Jesus Christ in his glorified body. You never saw him in his glorified body. I did. Jesus made me first. Jesus had all these disciples, and he took 12 of us and ordained us that we should be with them, and he said, first, Peter. I'm first. Peter could have said that. Peter could have said, God gave me apostolic authority and power. When I walked by people, they would lay their sick down on their beds just hoping that my shadow would touch them. And they'd be healed. You've never done that. Peter could have said, I was in the Garden of Gethsemane with Jesus. I was the first human ever to walk inside of the empty tomb. You've never done that. I'm better than you. He could have at least been tempted to have said that, wouldn't you think? He could have said, "Um, the Lord gave me the keys to the kingdom." I was the one there when the Holy Spirit fell on the Jews for the first time. I was the one there when the Holy Spirit fell on the Samaritans for the first time. I was the one there when the Holy Spirit fell on the Gentiles for the first time. Me, Peter. That was me. He could have said things like that. I preached the first sermon... On Pentecost, and 3,000 people were saved that day and baptized. And I could go on and on here, but is that what he said? He just said, who am also an elder. Who am also an elder. That's humility. That's humility. Peter was called by the Lord somewhere around 27 A.D., 
And then Peter died by history. History's pretty accurate on his death about 67 AD. Now, those first few years were pretty rough for Peter. He made a lot of mistakes. He was very impetuous, and, and uh, uh, you know, he was fighting people, cutting people's ears off and stuff. But he settled down after a few years, and the Lord turned him into a spiritual man, and he had a 40-year ministry that was very fruitful. Very fruitful. And the Lord, by the Holy Spirit, decided to use him to speak to the other elders of his day and to the elders of the 12 tribes that were scattered all abroad. He says in verse 1, The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder. Who am also an elder. He says, I'm just like one of you, that's all. I'm just an elder. Five words he gives himself. Who am also an elder. That's humility. That's humility. That's being clothed with humility. And I want to encourage you to be very careful about your accomplishments. To remember it was the Lord's doing. In you and the Lord's doing through you. And let us not boast of ourselves. We're nothing. For Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. Without me, you are nothing. And whatever accomplishments that you have ever achieved in the Lord's work, with the Lord's help, be careful about it. Just say, yeah, I'm just an elder. That's all I am. No different than you. I want you to notice, second of all, the humility of the elders. What is required of them is a service of humility, a humble service for the Lord, as he begins to say to the elders. Now, by the way, what are elders? If you check over in Titus chapter 1, verses 5 through 9, the Bible equates the word elders with bishops in the same breath. An elder is a a man, a man of God who's in the church, who's been ordained. He may have the title of a bishop. He may have the title of a pastor or whatever, maybe an evangelist. Maybe he's an apostle in the sense of being a missionary. Uh, But he, he he is not a novice. He's been in Christ for a while. He may be young in age, but he's not a novice spiritually. He's been in the Lord for a while. And he is an elder. And now... His humble service now is, is, is given to us here in increments or in qualifications of what he is to do. And notice how much humility there must be involved in being an elder. He must be clothed with an elder. First of all, in verse 2, he is told to feed the flock. Feed the flock of God which is among you. Not to feed himself, but to feed the flock of God which is among you. Now, that takes work. A person has to be humble to do that, and yet that is the business of the elder. Uh, If you can imagine, uh, Jesus is the chief shepherd. We'll get to that in a few verses. And and only God knows how many people are saved today on earth. There's 8 billion people on earth. We just crossed that threshold, they say. I don't know who can count it, but... They say there's 8 billion people on earth. Let's say 1 billion of them are saved. I don't know. Jesus is the shepherd of every one of them. And so if a man is a pastor of a church of 50 people or 100 people, 200 people or 300 or 500 people or whatever, he may be the, the shepherd of that many people. Just remember, Jesus is the chief shepherd. He's over about a billion 
He's walking with every one of those uh, brothers and sisters in Christ all over the world. He is shepherding them. The Lord is my shepherd. It's a personal thing. It's a personal thing for everybody all over the world. So if we take the, the number of people we might be shepherding in a local church and compare it to the number of people that he's shepherding around the world, we'll see why in a few moments the Bible calls him the chief shepherd. The chief shepherd. But can you imagine if, if uh, I remember when I was in Germany and the farmer had these flocks of sheep just right around the base that I was serving on, and he had shepherds. He had a shepherd with this little flock and a shepherd with this little flock and a shepherd with this little flock and a shepherd with this little flock. What would that farmer who was over the whole thing think if one of the shepherds took one of his flocks and let him starve to death? He, he would say, what is wrong with you? Your main business is to feed the flock. You need to feed the flock. And you and I as men need to be men of the word. We need to be men of the Bible. Because you never know when God may put us in charge of a little flock. It may be a little Sunday school class, a little youth group, or, or a little children's church, or a little bus route or something. We then become a shepherd to all those souls that we are working with. And we've got to know the word. We've got to know the Bible. We've got to know how to feed the flock with the milk of the word for the babes in Christ that are there. And the meat of the word for those who are of age so that they can have milk and meat and be fed well from the word of God because the Bible is the food for our souls. I mean, if you don't eat for a week, you are going to get weak physically. But if you don't eat from the word of God for a week, you're going to get weak spiritually. And you may wonder why you're always defeated. You may wonder why you're always too weak to fight off temptations in the world, the flesh, the devil. It's because you're not feeding yourself. But the shepherd also is supposed to feed the flock which is among you. So those of you that are pastors or will be pastors someday, and I'm sure out of a group like this, God's going to call some of you men, because that's one of the greatest needs our country has today, is for men who will be pastors and who will preach the word and feed people's souls. We need to be men of the word. And you got to think, what, what, what are main things? Humbly serving the congregation, feeding them, feeding the flock. And then it says, take the oversight thereof also in verse number two. That's a humble service. Take that, that means be their caregiver. An overseer was a caregiver, one who cares for the sheep. If you've ever read about shepherds or anything, they... They have to care for the sheep, even if the sheep has fleas. He has to stop everything he's doing and humbly take care of that little sheep, that little lamb, to get them to overcome their fleas. And uh, whatever problem comes up in that flock, whether it's a little lamb or an older one, that, that shepherd has to be an overseer, a caregiver. What, what, is there one of them sick? Is there one of them wandering out of the way towards the lions or the other predators that he, that he has to go out and bring back in? This is the, the job of the elder. There, there must be 
elders today who are clothed with humility, who, who, who realizes that, that God has given me the, 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 uh, the, the, uh, the uh, ministry of caring for people, inspecting people, and looking upon their afflictions and trying to help them. Caregiver, that's what the word oversight means. Taking the oversight thereof. And then it says, not by constraint, not by force, not because you have to, but willingly, but because you want to. Not because you have to, but because you want to. We need men who will take the overstrike, not by constraint, not because they're forced to do it or been thrust into that position, but because they want to care about others. We need those that have a caring spirit. And maybe God is working in you. Be willingly. And then it says this, not for filthy lucre. Not for filthy lucre. Again, an elder must be so humble that he's not in it for the money. He's not in it for the money. Not for filthy lucre. That should never be an issue. Never should be an issue for an elder, a pastor, an overseer, bishop, whatever you want to call him, evangelist, missionary. Not for filthy lucre. This is not something to approach and say, I wonder how much money I could make doing this for a living. Oh, the riches of being in the ministry by far exceed uh, the value of money. Uh, it's a priceless ministry what you, you get to do uh, for the Lord. In the book of John, Jesus talked about the hireling. The hireling. He's not a shepherd. He's a hireling. And he says in uh, John ten twelve, But he that is a hireling and not the shepherd... Wo- whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep, and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them, and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth, because he is a hireling, and careth not for the sheep. He just does it for the money. He just does it for the money. And then maybe when another ministry or church opens that's bigger or better or better pay, he'll run to that church. I've seen that happen on a few occasions, not many. Most pastors are really good people who are just in it because they love the Lord, they're humble, and they're trying to serve uh, their flock. But boy, some, uh, some want to know how much, you know how much is in it for me. And can you imagine uh, a president, any president, coming up to you or anybody and saying, you know, I want you to be my ambassador to Scotland, to Spain, to France, or whatever. Can you imagine that man then saying to the president, uh, how, much does it cost, how much does it pay, this being an ambassador? Well, he would be disqualified immediately. That question would never come up. If a president honored somebody, honored somebody with the title of being his ambassador, his personal representative in Scotland, Spain, France, wherever it is, money would never be an issue. That man would say, yes, sir. Doesn't matter what I get paid. It is an honor to represent you and the United States of America. I don't care what I get paid. And that's the kind of spirit we have to have, the elders have to have. They have to be clothed with humility where that is never an issue. It's never an issue. 
they have to be bivocational, they'll be bivocational. If they have to work, make tents, they'll make work and make tents. They don't care. They're just so honored to represent the Lord Jesus Christ as ambassadors for Jesus Christ. The Bible says you're not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, a ready mind, more than willing. Uh, it is a uh, privilege to serve uh, the Lord of lords and the King of kings. And then his humble service is shown in verse 3 when it says, neither as being lords over God's heritage. The shepherd, the elder, must be so humble that he does not lord over God's heritage. Uh, One of the phrases that I've hardly ever used in 40 years is this, my people. I've always said these are God's people. God is the head of this church. I will be removed someday. There's still going to be God's people. I'm not saying a person's wrong for saying that, but, uh, but uh, for taking care. I just, I've just been very careful to not be a lord over God's heritage. One of the uh, things, that's what Peter said, don't be a lord over God's heritage. And uh, one of the things that... Um, uh, Paul said, Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians 1.24, not that we have dominion over your faith, but are helpers of your joy, for by faith ye stand. And so the pastor, the bishop, the elder is, does not have dominion over anyone's faith. Now I will try to teach you from the Bible how to have a good marriage, how to handle your finances, how to raise your children, how to be a good employee uh, at your place of work, how to be a good testimony in your neighborhood, how to, but I'm not going to come into your house and start uh, examining your finances and your marriage and your kids and everything and, 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 and uh, lording over God's heritage. That's, that's the husband's business. Uh, the husband, the, that, that's your domain, uh, your home, and the father and the mother helping him. Uh, raising the children. Uh, that's your, your finances is, is, is between you and the Lord, your stewardship. And so we're not to be lords over God's heritage. Uh, in the book of Revelation, Jesus wrote to seven churches. And in one of the books, he said that he hated the deeds of the Nicolaitans. And he also said he hated the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. Now, what was he talking about? Well, we've explained this before. Nicolaitans comes from two words, two Greek words, Nikaio, from which we get the English word Nike. Some of you wear Nike sneakers. Nike means the victory. Laity means the people. Nicolaitans. Nicolaitans. Victory over the people. And Jesus said he hated the doctrine of clergymen who said they were supposed to dominate or have victory over the people. The doctrine. And then he went on to say, I hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, those that have victory or domination over the people. No, Paul said it best. He says, I'm just a helper of your joy. I'm just a helper of your joy. I'm trying to tell you that this is what the Bible says. And if you live by the Bible, you will have joy. 
And the joy of the Lord will be your strength, and you'll make it. God will give you strength if you obey the Lord. And this is what the Lord says. I'm trying to help your joy. Trying to help your joy. I'm trying to help you have a better resurrection. Amen? That's one of my main goals in life. I just want everybody that I I, I come in contact with, maybe they'll have a better resurrection because their life crossed paths with me. Maybe they'll get saved. Maybe if they are saved, they'll start serving the Lord and, 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 and bearing fruit that will last into eternity. Every church we've started, that's been my, my goal, to create a platform that people, I go up to countryside this morning, I see people who three years ago were doing nothing for God, now they're totally involved in the work up there. It's amazing. And because of that, they'll have a better resurrection someday. Because the Lord's writing all the time. He's keeping the accounts of what we're doing after we're saved. We're not saved by works. We're saved by God's grace. But after we're saved, we're saved to work. We are laborers together with God. You team up with God and work with him and have an influence, especially on other people's lives. And it's so good to see in that church. It's so good to see here. It's so good to see out there at um, uh, Hilltop uh, people that weren't doing anything. We saw people at Hilltop who got it, came in, got saved, got on fire for the Lord. Now they're serving the Lord. They're having Christian families. They're involved in ministry over there. They're winning souls to Christ. Going into the schools, having good news clubs. It's just amazing. It's just amazing. We're helpers of your joy. Verse 3, neither is being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. We have to be humble, clothed with humility. Just try to be an example. Let your example even preach louder than you do uh, what, you, what you do. And I know none of us are perfect examples. Peter certainly wasn't either. I mean, you can pick out some faults in Peter's life too, but we try to be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, and he's coming back again, there's another promise right there, verse 4. When the chief shepherd shall appear. That's Jesus Christ, if you don't understand the context. The Lord Jesus Christ shall appear someday, maybe soon. But when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. I have a picture of a crown. I was going to bring it upstairs. It's down in my office. One of the crown jewels of England. And it's the crown that they put on the king when they uh, um, have a, a, a ordain a king in England. And it, it talks about how many diamonds are in it, rubies and so on and so forth. And it's, it's I forgot, what it, it's just a priceless crown. It's, it's assessed at something like $157 million. Now, do you think England is going to outdo the Lord when it comes to passing out crowns? You really think so? Don't take these crowns too lightly that you read about in the Bible. Don't take them lightly. Uh, there's five of them in the New Testament. We'll study that some other time we have, but you set your eyes on one of those. And the Bible says for elders who've lived this way, when the chief shepherd, Jesus Christ, the chief shepherd, he's called the chief shepherd here in John 10, verses 11 and 14, he's called the good shepherd. In Hebrews 12, 13, verse 20, he's called the great shepherd. Jesus is the chief shepherd. The good shepherd, the great shepherd. Not us. We're just puny, dinky little 
shepherds. He's over maybe a billion. We're over, you know, 50, 100, 200, whatever the church might be. I remember those days when people used to boast about their pastors, the greatest in the world, and I say, yikes. That stuff was such nonsense. Uh, We're nothing close to Jesus Christ. None of us, none of us are close to him. We just have the privilege for a little while to watch over one of his little flocks. But he says, you know something? When the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive the crown of glory. That fadeth not away. Man, that's amazing when you think about that one. Eternity, eons of time. And it's still brilliant. (laughs) That'd be something, wouldn't it? Who's the guy with the crown over there? Oh, that's Pastor Cole. I helped him get that. Why not? Better than your, who's the guy without the crown? Oh, that's Pastor Cole. We, we uh, opposed him every step of the way. Well, we didn't, but. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I appreciate your support all of these years. For humble service, the crown of glory. You have to understand this, and this is where humility comes in, because there's verses that you can, can be tempted to be proud. But here's one. 2 Corinthians 8.23 2 Corinthians 8.23 says this, Whether any do inquire of Titus, he is my partner and fellow helper concerning you, or our brethren be inquired of, they are the messengers of the churches and the glory of Christ. The messengers of the churches are the glory of Christ. And that's why someday some of them will receive a crown of glory. I want to encourage you to respect pastors. Help them. As for the church, there's only two kind of people in it. The one who's called to be the pastor and those that are called to help them. That's it. God calls pastors and God calls people to help them. God's going to give him a vision. We've got a new pastor coming in two months. God's going to give him a vision. Help him. Help him. Don't oppose him. Don't butt heads with him. Just say, I want, to, I want to help him. He's the one God has put over me. I'm going to be under him. He's the one God's. I'm going to try to help him succeed in fulfilling the great commission of Christ in this area. Notice number three, the humility of the younger. Are you a young adult today? Look at verse number five. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. All right, we're talking about being clothed with humility. What about you younger ones? You, you know, we hear sometimes, well, you younger ones are the future of the church. No, you are the leaders now. Now, now, and some of you are embracing that. It's a good thing to see. Blesses my heart how many of you are serving the Lord now. I was a pastor when I was 26. Now's the time. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. Ecclesiastes 12.1. Before the days come when you'll say, I don't have any pleasure in that. Don't wait till you're 50 and 60 and 70 and 80 and say, man alive, I forgot to serve the Lord. I better get with it. 
No, 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 no. Don't make that mistake. Humbly serve the Lord now. Try to get as many young adults into this church as you can, young married couples, single people, teenagers, children. But when you serve the Lord in the church, be humble about it. Be humble about it. Likewise, you younger, submit yourself unto the elder. There's a story in the Old Testament about a guy named Rehoboam. Rehoboam had the smartest father in all of history. His name was Solomon. And uh, then Rehoboam naturally became the king when his father Solomon died. That's how it worked. And so as he was beginning his kingdom, he, he said, you know, I, I'm not quite sure how to do this. I'm pretty young. And so he gathered all the old men together. Remember the story? Some of you remember this story. You can read it in 1 Kings 3, 12. I'm not going to go, I'll go faster than this. He got the old men together and he said, now look, your dad got a little rough there at the end. He went crazy, Solomon. He did. He started oppressing people, blah, blah, blah. You be gentle with the people. You speak softly with the people and they'll be your servants forever. But then Rehoboam said, you know, I think I'm going to ask the young men my age what they think. And boy, they gave him some bad counsel. They didn't have the wisdom of the elder. They didn't have the wisdom of the elder. And they said, no, you need to take charge. All right, you need to have things done your way every time. And you, you, you need to even make it harder than your father started to. Well, they didn't like that. The country didn't like that. And he split the kingdom forever until the future, as we see Israel coming together now as one. But uh, it was a divided kingdom. Israel in the north, Judah, because of he listened to the young. Now, I'm not saying every younger adult is going to give you bad advice. But I'm going to say this. Every elder adult who's a, a true Christian who's been walking with the Lord will probably give you better advice. I can't tell you how many churches are closed down today. That one time used to run hundreds, sometimes thousands. I know some preachers that used to run thousands and thousands in their church every Sunday. And when they died, the younger ones took over. And they said, let's change everything. And today those buildings are shut down. There's not a person in it. The lights are off. The doors are locked. Because they had a better idea how to reach their generation than the old man had shown had worked. Meddle not with them that are given to change. That's what Solomon said. Rehoboam, his son, should have listened to him. You younger ones, I want to encourage you to, to, to take charge. I mean, this is your church. This is your time. But submit yourselves unto the elder. Be clothed with humility. Verse 5, likewise, you younger, submit yourself unto the elder. And last of all, let everyone, the humility of all, look at verse 5, yea, all of you, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. All of you, all of you. Even to this day, there are people in this church who have better ideas than I have. And many times I've said, hey, let's do this. And someone said, you know, I think this would be better if we did it this way. I said, I think you're right. I think you're right. You know, over at Hilltop, I was there for 12 years. I never got my way once over there. You should have seen it. Every suggestion I had was shot down with a better one. 
And I'm glad that I was tried to be clothed with humility and said, you know, you're right. You got a, that's a better idea. That's a better idea than what I think. And over and over and over again, they said, no, no, we can't do that. We got to do this. We're doing projects out of countryside right now. It's not the way I want it, but boy, it's going to be a lot nicer than what I thought. I thought, we've got to be humble, even elder people. We've got to be subject one to another. Somebody might know more than you do. I go to these doctors nowadays, and I'm like saying, how old are you? You look like a teenager. What? You know, and it just, but you've got to be subject to them. They know what they're doing. They that are sick need a physician. They know what they're doing. Be clothed. Notice it says here, be clothed with humility. It doesn't say have a drop of humility or two once in a while. You know, when your marriage is about ready to whatever. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No, no, no. It doesn't say have a drop or two of humility. It says be clothed with humility. People make judgments of you based on two things. Number one, the countenance of your face. And number two, the, your apparel, the way you're dressed. It sends a message. It's the first message. And you say, well, people shouldn't judge each other. Yeah, right. What world are you going to live in? <laughs> Everybody on earth judges each other the instant we see some people. There's no such thing. Paul said, he that is spiritual judgeth all things. Yet he himself is judged of no man. He tries to be a good testimony. Be clothed with humility. Clothed with it. I mean, just... just, just so walk around with humility, graciousness, and kindness that people will say of you, that guy's a humble man. That lady's a humble man. They're not contentious. They're not butting heads with everybody. They're not harsh and unkind. And They're humble. They're humble. Well, what's in it for me? <laughs> this being clothed with humility, that's un-American. You know, we're told in America, pride. I'm proud to be American. Stick up for number one. I'm it. Fight for your rights. Well, that's not, that's not what the Bible says. It's not what Peter did. Peter laid down his life and was crucified at the end. Laid down his life for Christ. What's in it for me? Well, the Bible has the answer here. Be clothed with humility, for God resisted the proud, and notice this, and giveth grace to the humble. What's in it for you? Grace. You know, grace will help you in life a lot more than money ever will. God's grace. Did you know grace will help you in life a lot more than your health will, good health? In fact, Paul lived with bad health all his life, but he said God's grace was sufficient for me. Grace will help you in life more than having a good family. Your family could fall apart in pieces or, or persecute you for being a Christian, but God's grace will help you stand through that. Grace will help you to be what God wants you to be, to go where God wants you to go, and to do what God wants you to do that you and I are incapable of doing without His grace. It's unbelievable what God can do in a man or a woman by His grace. But to have His grace, we've got to be clothed with humility. Because God resisteth the proud. See that there, resisteth? That means he fights against. He wars. He sets up his army, his battlements against proud people. I don't want God against me. You don't want God against you. You're going to lose that one every time. But to have God for you giveth grace to the humble. 
He giveth grace to the humble. Clothed with humility. This is America, Pastor. What do I get out of that? God's grace. Because things are probably going to get a lot harder in this country as we go along. And we're going to need more grace. And His grace will be sufficient to get us through anything. Anything. But you've got to pay the price. You've got to be clothed with humility. Now, what is humility? I'm almost done. I made up a, a definition. I've said it for years. Humility is the constant state of thinking about God and thinking about others. Humility is not going through the throes of depression like you're a worthless piece of garbage or something. I don't know what that is. That's not humility. Humility is not thinking about yourself at all. It's getting up every day and saying, God, what do you want me to do? Who can I help today? Thinking about God and others all day, every day. Pride is the opposite. Pride is the constant state of thinking about yourself all the time. Boy, that, that, that makes the ugliest people on earth, those who just think about themselves all the time. You want to be ugly? Be proud. Humility. What do you mean being clothed with humility? Just getting up every day and saying, Lord, this day is about you. This day is about others. Who can I help today? Not even think about yourself. That's good medicine not to think about yourself. Boy, you start thinking about yourself and man. Yikes. Humility. What do you get? Grace. Grace. Boy, what is grace? God's power. God's enablement. God's strength. God's divine favor on your life. Do you want divine favor on your life? Would you like God for you or against you? Divine favor, that's grace. But there's a price, humility. You've got to be clothed with humility. And there are some people, their countenance and their disposition, you just say, that's a humble man. I think Al Shatner was clothed with humility. Some of you knew Al. He just died. He was 91. He was clothed with humility. He just lived for God. He lived for others. Some of you knew him. Some of you didn't have the privilege of knowing him. He was a good example. Never contentious. Never harsh with anybody. Never said an unkind word. But he did God's work. And God gave him grace till his dying breath to die peacefully. And even in hospice, he led a man to Christ. I'd like us to bow our heads for a word of prayer. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. We're going to sing a song of invitation here in just a moment. Oh, we all need the grace of God. Things are going to get hard. Things are hard. Some of you are going through things now. If you just had the grace of God, He would sustain you. You're going through some real trials. But God can help you. Grace. But we need to be clothed with humility. Are you struggling with pride today? Man, pride's, I don't know in your life, but pride's like weeds in my garden. It just keeps coming up. I think I got it licked and it comes up somewhere else. Wicked pride. And I preach this to myself today. As the piano begins to play, Song of invitation. Maybe you want to come to the altar. The church is a house of prayer and 
pray about this. Say, God, help me. I've been walking in pride too much. Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And I want to humble myself in the sight of the Lord. Lord, you're everything. I'm nothing. But if you can make me something, I yield myself to you. Be clothed with humility. Be clothed. Do you need to come and pray today? To God help me with the message? To apply the message. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. Oh, how much humility and grace will help us. But God resists. Do you ever feel God just seems to be against me? Well, maybe he is. Until you humble yourself. I didn't read the next verse. Time was kind of running out on me, but let me read the next verse with our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. So it's our business. We've got to humble ourselves. The piano plays if you need to just quietly stand to your feet, come, pray. How about you young people? We need you. Now's your time. You're not the future of the church. You're the church now. But can you be humble about it? As we go into new leadership in two months, will it be a humble, smooth transition? Or even us who are in our 60s, 70s, 80s will just put ourselves under the young pastor. Say, boy, I'm going to help him succeed. I'm going to help him. Let's find our hymn books and turn to page 185. Jesus paid it all. Just think about that as we have the Lord's Supper tonight. Come back at 6 o'clock for the Lord's Supper.